1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome,
1: welcome to BetQLU. I am Jeffrey Wright. RJ is out this week, but pleased to welcome Brandon Sprague to the program. Brandon, the co-host of Dirt and Sprague, weekday mornings on 1080, the fan in Portland. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Sprague. Brandon, welcome to the program. It's good to have you, buddy.
0: Hey man, it's I'm glad to be here. I love talking college football, and when I was presented the opportunity to work with you, I said absolutely. Let's talk some shop because it's a big weekend in college football, coming off that ranking. No
1: question, we got feast week, rivalry week. I, I, the artist formerly known as Civil War Week, I guess now Civil Conflict. Not sure exactly how (laughs) we'll refer to it, but let's get into the college football playoff rankings because, of course, our long national nightmare is over. Brandon, the little guy, finally made it. We have, for the first time ever a group of five team, make the top four. Cincinnati moves up to number four. Georgia stays at number one. The other big news, I thought, was Ohio State jumping Alabama because clearly the committee up until this week had pretty much said Alabama was number two, really wasn't close. Ohio State's recent form moves them up to number two. Alabama down to three, Cincinnati at four. Let's start here. In your estimation, Brandon, if indeed Cincinnati wins this week, and then they win next week against Houston in the AAC championship game. Do you think they maintain? Are they still in? It's
0: a, t- it's a tough thing to answer because there's so many things up in the air right now. Here- here's my opinion. I think the committee, they have them at four. And whether you're for or against a group of five being in the playoff and playing with these other teams who are in the Power Five conferences, I just, I've always viewed the committee and their reaction to the group of five, Jeff, who, I don't think that they like them. I don't think they want them in the party. They do everything they can to exclude them. And even putting them at four, I think they're really trying to protect themselves from putting them in that playoff and saying, hey, Cincinnati, we want you in this dance. Cincinnati plays in a lesser conference. They've got some good wins. Not conference. The Notre Dame game was a huge one for them. But I still look at the committee and the way they're viewing these things as they don't really want them there. And whether they deserve or not, to me, doesn't matter. It's how the committee is viewing this stuff. Alabama slotting down to three. You've got Notre Dame sneaking up. Michigan is in this thing, too. Um, I I don't think the committee wants them in. My gut says, unless three or four things break their way, no. They are not making the playoff.
1: Yeah, I kind of tend to agree with you. It's not even necessarily that it's intentional or not. The reality of the situation is, this was a playoff put together by the Power 5 conferences. It's a party for them. They're not really invited the way they kind of, you know, it's not even necessarily the committee themselves. I do think what's fascinating is there's a few scenarios that I think are interesting. I think it feels like Cincinnati is now in the position where it's less about looking ahead and it's about looking what's behind them. I think the first question I have is what happens if we have a one loss big 12 champion, because there's only two possibilities. Oklahoma has to win this week. And then presumably they're going to have to win next week in a rematch against Oklahoma state. To me, that is the biggest question. If we have either one loss Oklahoma State or one loss Oklahoma as a Big 12 champion, do you think that team ends up jumping Cincinnati?
0: You see, now the Big 12 is the most interesting one, and I'm glad you brought that up. I do. Um, Oklahoma has not garnered the respect from the committee that maybe we thought that they would being undefeated. Now, it didn't look good against Baylor. There's no refuting that. But I think Oklahoma at 10 and Oklahoma State at seven, there's a pathway there that, again, I think the committee is telling you those next two games could be huge. Either Oklahoma State's going to win, advance to the Big 12 title game, and then they'll have another opportunity to notch another win on the resume, and then I think that they're in. Or Oklahoma, who, again, not getting that respect, you beat Oklahoma State at Stillwater, and then you win the Big 12 championship with one loss. The precedent has been set. You know, that that's the thing about this thing. You have to remind yourself is the precedent has been set. And so if Oklahoma can get through those next two, I don't know how they're going to be left out. I think that the committee really respects the power five, Jeff, to your point, it was brought together by power five people. This is like the equivalent of having a sleepover with your, with your boys and your little brother won't leave you alone. Your mom makes him play video games with you. So what do you want to do? You want to embarrass him in video games to get them the hell out of there. I think that's what you're looking at with the Big 12 in Cincinnati right now.
1: Yeah, it, I've kind of likened it to stick with the college metaphor. It's like not being in the fraternity and then kind of being upset that you didn't get to go to formal, even though your buddy, like your buddies with guys in the fraternity, it's like, well, why didn't I get to go? It's like, well, it's not really your party; it is their party. They there are there's, I guess, an outside shot. Somebody could you know say, eh, whatever, I'm going stag. Just come on, we'll just we'll, we'll get drunk together. But the, the odds are stacked against them. I think kind of the other interesting scenarios that we have is I think all of us are operating under the assumption Georgia's going to beat Alabama. Even down here, there's this idea that it just feels inevitable because Alabama just hasn't really looked right. They certainly haven't looked bad, but they're not smoking folks in, in Alabama fashion. I do right. think it's interesting, though, if you're sitting there and let's make the assumption either Ohio State or Michigan. Whoever wins this week goes on to win the big 10 title. I think that team's in no matter what. And that team's probably number two, no matter what I do think it then becomes interesting. What are they going to do with a two loss Alabama that let's just say they played Georgia close because they've got some good receivers and Georgia at times, I saw Tennessee be able to throw it on them a little better than even I expected. Georgia still wound up covering with that being said, it's, it's still in the realm of possibility because Alabama still has talent. I do wonder what the committee does with two loss Alabama versus Cincinnati at undefeated as the AC champion and a one loss big 12 team. My gut says they just kind of keep it clean and that Alabama's out and that the one loss big 12 team gets in and Cincinnati. I still, I don't feel good saying that that's a definite. I know that's bad in our business. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be strong with our takes and convictions, but yeah. I just have a I, I don't really have a strong conviction one way or the other.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's the tough thing, right? Like if you told me Alabama doesn't make it because of the two losses, by the way, I think if you're looking at future lines, they would be a four point dog against Georgia. To your point, you're down, you're closer to it, but I'll tell you here out West, a lot of people not really thinking that Bama's going to be able to do that because to your point, they've had a lot of games, the Florida struggle, I mean, Arkansas is a good team, but I mean, they only won by seven. So I think there's a lot of people kind of feeling the same way as, as, as you guys down there. Bama is a two loss team in over Cincinnati. I think from a fen- fundamental standpoint, that's egregious. But then also from like a diehard college football viewer standpoint, I would totally get it. It's Alabama. If they were playing on a neutral site, I would take Alabama 10 times out of 10. And I don't think Alabama is the only team that Cincinnati needs to worry about. Let me throw this at you. Notre Dame's going to wax Stanford this weekend. They are going to destroy the Cardinal. They are the worst team in the Pac-12 right now. What do you do with Notre Dame in Cincinnati? And that sounds dumb saying out loud because we saw that context.
1: I completely agree with you. I know the idea is like, well, they've already played. Like, of course, Cincinnati goes. I pay attention to what the committee says because they, while oftentimes they might contradict themselves, I do think they give you a pretty honest assessment of where they are, where they start contradicting themselves is they don't do a great job of saying, listen, we tier these teams. And if you're in a certain pool, we use a certain criteria. Just because we say one thing about how we ranked these teams doesn't necessarily mean that that applies to a team that's in a different pool. And so Mm -hmm. what I've really paid attention to with Notre Dame is, They are continuously mentioning strength of schedule, quality opponent each and every week. And it's not really Cincinnati's fault, but the Americans down this year. UCF's not good. Memphis is not good. SMU has a coach that clearly has been out for six weeks. Like The things that they needed to help them, Houston inexplicably goes brain dead against Texas Tech for a quarter to start the season. I I weirdly think that if this were undefeated versus undefeated in the AAC title game, it feels like it's a bigger data point. But there's even this idea of, well, is even Houston that good? And and it's not that's not Cincinnati's fault at all. Their job is, you know, I thought the biggest thing they did last week is they had been playing around with their food. And last week, they finally came out against an inferior opponent and lit them up and they finally put it all together. I do wonder though, are we going to get to this point where, essentially, what the committee would say they would have to phrase it a certain way—but basically, what they would say is, we think Notre Dame's eleven and one is more impressive than Cincinnati's record, despite the fact that they beat them.
0: Well, I think an important to uh, note on that on Cincinnati, you know, prior to that SMU game, which by the way, a lot of people were loving SMU plus the twelve in that matchup, and, and to your point, they waxed them, but prior to that. They had a four-week stretch there where if you're going to be a group of five team to make the playoff for the first time, you can't be struggling with Navy. You can't be coming down to one last play against Tulsa. You need to take care of those teams emphatically and really send a message that like, we're pretty, we're too good for this. At least let us have our shot in a four-week stretch where they really struggled there. What I was going to say though, too, on, on Notre Dame, they they covered themselves, the committee did in this regard. I, I agree with, they look at metrics and they do, their messaging's kind of poor. But what yes. they did do to protect themselves and set themselves up from the future, Jeff, is they, they had Michigan and Michigan State. A week after that game, what did they do? Michigan They're won their Michigan. next game. Michigan State, they, they had Michigan above. And they said, don't watch what happens on the field. And I think that was not only about Michigan and Michigan State because they went to metrics for that. I think that was their way of protecting themselves that if they get down to this, because if Michigan loses Michigan's out, Notre Dame's going to go up and you are going to come down to Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And we know that they love the eyeballs. That's another part of this that I don't think they talk about is they want people to care and watch and maybe it doesn't make a difference, but I think they're always going to side with the golden domers. And I think that's the important thing here too, is they've already set this with Michigan and Michigan state. They can pivot just as quickly with Cincinnati and Notre Dame?
1: I mean, in the end, it's a television event. It's an ESPN property. It is a television event, and I'm not really someone that goes tinfoil hat and is like, oh, well, this is all rigged and fixed. But I do also acknowledge it's a television event, and their jobs to put the best TV product on the field within reason. And so I think the other thing that kind of exhausts me from all of playoff talk is almost every year that we get to this point, the games kind of sort themselves out. Like the Big Ten's still yeah. gonna the Big Ten's Still gonna play itself out. I think the one hang up I have this year is Georgia appears to be a constant. Like we've talked about teams that that maybe are not as consistent week to week. Georgia's been consistent week to week. And, and they really haven't even been threatened at this point. I mean the Clemson it was a one-score game. At no point did I feel like watching that. You know, Clemson Clemson's got a chance here. It just even that game still felt inevitable with Georgia. But after that, I don't know. I mean, my, my head says trust history with Michigan and Ohio State and that every time Michigan goes up against Ohio State, it's a different class. But then there's another part of me that thinks, hey, let's not be disrespectful to Michigan's defensive front. Those guys have been very good all year. They've cre- had, created havoc all year. CJ Stroud has had a nice year, but he's not had a perfect year. We saw him against Penn State struggle. We saw him struggle against Nebraska. We've seen at times pressure can kind of get to him. There is kind of an element for me here thinking, well, what, what do we do in a scenario if Michigan wins at home and then turns around and has to play Wisconsin for the second time this year, and Wisconsin's a different football team the last six weeks, and then they get knocked out? There is kind of this air of I can't yeah. tell if chaos is looming or not.
0: Well, I, I would say, you know, as as much to what you said on Ohio State, they've dominated that rivalry. I mean, I, since 2000, I looked it up. Michigan's won three games since 2000. The margin of victory for Ohio State is 14 points. They largely are a different team on a different tier. I do want to hit on this. You either listen to my radio show this morning or we're very like-minded in this way. The thing that keeps me from going just chalk with Ohio State on that spread is the Michigan pass rush. And you saw it against Michigan state before they blew that lead. The Michigan pass rush is their saving grace. I don't think Michigan has a secondary to compete with those receivers. Very few teams in the country do. So what's the one way you just, dis- you disrupt it. You get CJ Stroud to be uncomfortable. Well, I can tell you having watched Oregon do it earlier this year in Columbus, you get to CJ Stroud and you put him in third and longs and you make him feel that pass rush. Even when it's not there, that's Michigan saving grace. And I'm with you. It feels a little disrespectful to assume this is the same old Ohio state, Michigan setup. But to your chaos point, I mean, answer me this. You said it with Georgia, right? Georgia has not been tested. Isn't this the year of chaos? Isn't this the year where we think, Oh, it's going to be this team, that team and this team. Well, I, I mean, yeah, Ohio state's turned it around after their early season loss, but They've had some struggles. You saw Michigan's been tested. Notre Dame stubbed their toe against Cincinnati. This has been a year of chaos. So to answer that, can this be chaos? Absolutely. It's what the entire season has brought us outside of Georgia so far.
1: And, you know, if, if I sit there and tell you Alabama beats Georgia, while I don't think either one of us would expect it, I don't sit there and go, are you high? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not at that point. I don't think Alabama can block Georgia. But if they can, I think Alabama can throw it on them. And one thing we haven't seen Georgia have to do this year is play from a significant disadvantage and rely on Stetson Bennett to go and make throws. Like the closest game where it got a little iffy that first half against Florida, Stetson Bennett threw a pick. He didn't look clean. And there is still kind of in my back of my mind, I'm just thinking of, if somebody can jump on them, we haven't seen how they're going to react. And it would be interesting to me to see if they can come back. And again, they've been the most dominant team all year, but that is certainly something I'm curious to see. All right, we come up next. We're gonna find out exactly who is on upset alert. We'll do that next segment, right here on BetQLU.
0: You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright.
1: Hey, welcome back to BetQLU, I'm Jeffrey Wright. It's time to do one of my favorite segments of the week. Upset alert. All right, Brandon. You got any underdogs you think that are going to win outright?
0: I do. I have, I have a few this weekend. Uh, I'm going to start here locally, the rivalry game out west, as you mentioned, formerly known as the Civil mm-hmm. War, but it, a little bit outrage. Uh, yeah. They've eliminated that name. I'm going to go Oregon State on the money line at plus 225. Uh, Oregon is going to have to rebound from Utah. It was a pitiful um, showing on national television. But even when they do lose, they lost to Stanford earlier. They were in a dogfight against California. Oregon State has the better offensive line. They can run the football, control the clock. I think Oregon State's outright going to win that one. I'm going to take Oregon State on the money line as as my first pick. If you want me to give off the next few, we can do that or we can trade. Whatever you want to do. I got a few here uh, this weekend.
1: Let's run it on the ball, on the ball. Let's go, let's go.
0: Okay, I'm going to take Army as well. I, I think yeah. Army is going to Liberty. I'm all in on it. Um, I think anytime you play an academy, there's always a weird feel to those games. See Cincinnati and Navy. And sometimes teams, there's like this weird thing about teams where they don't want to destroy an academy because they respect them so much. And I think that's dangerous to play with that. So I think Army has a real shot uh, to beat Hugh Freeze, who I think just signed an extension to stay at Liberty. I like Army on the money line and that one as well.
1: Yeah, Hugh Freeze, according to Hugh Freeze, says that he signed an extension. Uh, Sources close to, to to Hugh Freeze. To Hugh you Freeze. got any others you like?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm kind of eyeing the Kentucky-Louisville one. Uh, that one's a little closer, and this is going to sound insane. I don't know why, but I, I also have my eye on Texas Tech and Baylor.
1: Oh, I got no problem with that. Texas Tech and Baylor feels like yeah. who, you know what I mean? Like that's. That's the perfect, like, we think Baylor's good, and then all of a sudden Baylor gets down to the last week, and you're like, wait, what? And the, yep. That feels perfect, college football. Much like there's you. There's a his spot there. Oh, there's no question. Much like you, I too like Kentucky, plus 130 at Louisville. Louisville, when they're playing a team that has a winning record this year, they have two wins. They're two and six against teams with winning records. Those wins were Central Florida with a pick six. Not saying it was an entirely fluky game, but Central Florida had the ball with a chance to go down and score. They throw a, they throw a pick six. That happens. Then they beat Boston College with their backup quarterback. I too am with you on Army at plus one forty five at Liberty. I watched every snap of that Liberty Louisiana Lafayette game last week. That Liberty team is odd, man. Like I think to I think to be good against an option team, you have to be really tough and really physical. I did not sense a team that was ready to put their hand in the ground and let's just bow up. Like, that that did not freak to me like a team that was super into it. Also on that, Malik Willis has not really been that good. And against a team like Army, it's going to be very disciplined. I just think that that's kind of a bad matchup there. I, too, like Army. I'm with you. It feels like the right play in the Oregon State-Oregon game is either Oregon State money line or take Oregon to cover. But since you can't really ever depend on Oregon to cover as a favorite, I'm very much with you. I watched every snap of that Oregon State game last week against Arizona State, and they're playing hard for Jonathan Smith, and he's really done an awesome job. And I just wonder, with Oregon, that's just such an emotional letdown that now you're sitting here and, you know, what's really to play for? And and there's kind of an element. I know you still win the Pac-12, but – I think when you had spent six weeks essentially having national championship aspirations, I just wonder how much the winning of the winning of the conference ends up motivating you. And then also with that game, and I do not trust Anthony Brown. I just don't. And, you know, I wasn't the biggest Herbert fan in college, but I would much rather feel I'd feel much more comfortable with Oregon in that spot if they had Herbert. I'm going to take this one. Boston College plus 170 at home against Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is a very, very good team. I think they maximize everything that they have. I just don't think they're physically imposing. And you go Mm -hmm. up in a game and they play close games, period. And so on top of that, you got Dracovic at home. He makes the he makes that Boston College team a lot more different. They too can get physical with him. I think it's worth a shot at plus 170 because I just think in general, Wake's just gonna play close games. And if they're gonna play a close game, I want the opportunity to maybe get the ball last. And then lastly, this is kind of my flyer. This is just one team's playing for their coach and the other team's already got reports coming out this week that when their coach moves on, who they're going to be hiring. Give me Tulsa plus 195 at SMU. I, I, keep, wa- I yes. keep trying to keep yes. fading yes. SMU, and it's worked here and there. This is more of just a gut play. I kind of like Tulsa at plus at 195.
0: I love that play. I, I think that's an underrated one. I throw another one. I was just looking at some of the lines, and I was reminded Kansas State, Texas is flailing. I'll take Kansas yeah. State on that one. And, and can I just throw out, to a question to you? You just kind of blew my mind because they largely, I haven't found that it exists. You're one of the people that uh, watches Pac-12 after dark, huh?
1: Oh, my God. So I went to I went to Pepperdine. And so a lot of my buddies actually still live in California. So, yes, I am able to actually find a stream for the Pac-12 networks as I've always been corrected it's not network it's the Pac-12 networks this is a weird year for me in the Pac-12 normally what I do is in gambling I have an outstanding day and then I get to shall we say 9 p.m central time and I just decide I'm gonna bet three Pac-12 games and I lose (laughs) it all this year I've actually had a pretty good feel on it I've I've not gotten as I've not gotten as fleeced uh, this year as opposed to years past. But I love Pac-12 football. It's why I, I hope USC makes a good hire. I I hope that the league's fun when it's good. And I think for the health of the sport in general, you need a West Coast element. It, otherwise, it just starts to become more and more regionalized. And it's, it's going to basically become a, a much, you know, much more regionalized thing in the Southeast and then a couple of states in the Rust Belt. And I just don't know if that's healthy for the game long-term.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you 100% on that one. I will say, though, I also enjoy the chaos and just crapping all over themselves, Pac-12. It's like being a solid six at a bar. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the most fun because the guy that's the nine or a guy that's a 10, he wants to pick up the most attractive woman. I'm over here as a six, like, we are what we are. What do you want from us?
1: No, and I mean, there is kind of the element of, Last week, I took Oregon just because I'm sitting there going, I think Oregon's better. I know when you go to Utah at yeah. night, that's where dreams go to die. It's just hilarious to me that without fail, every single year, whatever can happen that will put the Pac-12 in the worst position will happen. I still refuse to acknowledge it. And I just tried to was like, uh, give me Thibodeau, man. I, I, I think he's going to get after him. And then. You know, Oregon decided when they got into the red zone, let's just completely and utterly self-destruct. Like, let's throw in some 15-yard penalties. Let's get a sack. Like, it was it was breathtaking to watch.
0: Yeah. Cristobal is a dog. usually a good bet. But uh, Rice Eccles, as you mentioned, at night is probably the one place in this conference I really would not want to play in a big game.
1: It feels like it's always that same atmosphere. It feels like it's not like
0: same freezing,
1: but it's like kind of cold. It's smoky. It yep. just feels like it's that same atmosphere. Each and every year. And then, you know, uh, shout out to Salt Lake City. They get loud, man. Like, I, the Mormons, know know,
0: they love, football, man.
1: They love their football. And I, I know some Pac 12 people probably roll their eyes, but I kind of like the false start count. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because it,
0: yeah, yeah, that incentivizes yeah, yeah.
1: Because you're a crowd to be loud, I'm in on.
0: I'm with you 100% on that one.
1: All right, let's take a look at some of the other big games this week. We briefly touched on Michigan. And Ohio State, of course, the big game. If Georgia Tech beats Georgia, I, I'm done watching the sport. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it would happen. So I'm just kind of moving on to that. But Thank there are you. a few games that are at least are somewhat somewhat interesting, even with big underdogs. How much of a chance do you give Michigan? I know we talked about it during the last segment. I'm kind of in this mood where my head says, I think Michigan's the play, maybe not outright. But Michigan with the points is the play. But then I can also see myself on the second possession with Alave, with Wilson, with Smith and Jigba. Like I can see myself going, what the hell was I thinking?
0: No, I mean, I'm there 100% on the, you can see it. Like Ohio State gets a touchdown. They're up 17-0. And you're like, "Um, what did I think was going to happen here? It's the same old thing. I'm pushing back though. I'm I'm riding the points here. I'm not going to take the money line, but I'm going to ride the points. It's a lot of points on the road. It's a freshman quarterback. And as we mentioned with the Michigan pass rush, if they can get to him and slow the running game down, I don't know if you're going to stop it, but slow it down a little bit. Prevent the big run. Michigan's going to be right there. Say what you want about Michigan and where they've been with Harbaugh. Uh, McNamara has been lights out for them this year. It's kind of one of the more underrated, I think storylines in college football, because Harbaugh has largely not had a quarterback. He finally has one that can sling the rock confidently. And we know the way that they want to play. They want to dominate the lines of scrimmage. And I think that they have the horses on the defensive edge to be able to do it. And if you're going to take away the receivers, the best way to do that is to get to uh, CJ Stroud. I love Michigan here. Is it, is it ill-advised? I mean, probably but yeah. I think Harbaugh having a year. It's a turnaround season. He cut his salary in half. He's got the horses on both ends. I think to compete with Ohio state, who by the way, as good as they looked last weekend against Michigan state and make no mistake, that was impressive. They also have some games. They lost to Oregon. They struggled to put away and beat Penn state. Like I'm not going to act like Ohio state is this Georgia type team in the Midwest. They're not, they're very good and they're hitting a stride. But Michigan's also been very good, and they've, they've been battle-tested as well. I love Michigan and the points in this one.
1: Yeah, again, I, we see it the same way. I try to always separate, is this what I want to see versus this is what I think is going to happen? And I really do think I'm separating because I see it the same way that you do in that this Michigan team actually is getting solid quarterback play. Is McNamara going to be a first-rounder? Of course not. Is he probably ever going to get paid to play football? I would bet no, but well, he's been pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, listen, Tim Boyle, John Navar, Tim John Boyle Navar been was been a great team player. Team like <laughs> he's got he's got some like New Age John Navarre vibes, where he's not like the right. prototypical, but like he's kind of the modern college football John Navarre Where if you ask him to throw on first down, I think he can do it. If you ask him to take care of the football, he can do it. He can run just enough. And I think that allows them to be more balanced. And listen, we—I feel like we keep waiting all year for Michigan to like truly like slip up and just have the Michigan moment. And you're like, oh, there's Harbaugh, and we crack all the jokes that we do. Even in the Michigan State loss, it wasn't like that. That was from a lack of effort. I mean, it was a day where Kenneth—you uh, know—a a day where Kenneth Walker has an unbelievable day, and everything that Michigan State needed to do to win the game ended up happening and and I give all the credit to Michigan state for going for it, but it certainly wasn't like Michigan played poorly in that game.
0: No, I, I thought hard. I mean, I still can't believe that they lost that game to be honest. Like, I know that's, you know, laugh at Harbaugh moment, but we watched the same game. Did we not like that team was, they were up double digits and you just kind of the way that they were playing, you felt like that was theirs. And then Kenneth Walker like single-handedly lifted Michigan state on his back and said, uh, I'm going to carry us to this dub. like that. That's one that I think Michigan is going to look back and just, what the hell were we doing in that game? You should have won that one. And then maybe more people are feeling like us, that those points are worth taking, where Michigan on the money line would be worth taking had they not blown that game.
1: Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Remember, Brandon, anything can happen in Bedlam except for Oklahoma State winning. However, I keep wondering, first off, Oklahoma State, they are a covering machine. I think it's nine in a row now. Like they are just blindly, I've been taking them. Yeah. I I maybe I'm maybe I'm just wishing this and willing for it. I really like Oklahoma State in this game. I just don't think what we've seen from Oklahoma, they've never showed us that they're gonna just go out and light someone up. And the Oklahoma State defense is no joke. And then they also can get physical and run the football. I, I don't know. I just really like the pokes in this one.
0: Yes. Yeah, you know, this is where we're going to differ. Um, I totally get it. Oklahoma state's had a great, fantastic year. There's some metrics you could point to defensively that maybe lean Oklahoma's favor here. And I know it's Caleb Williams on the road, but I'm going to go with the, uh, the trusty old, this is Lincoln Riley versus the mullet. This is Oklahoma who has dominated this rivalry. Um, I, I like Oklahoma in this one. I'm kind of one of those weird believers that at some point they are going to play the right team and click at the right time. And I'm going to put my, my stock into this is the game. This is the moment. They've dominated the rivalry. And I'm going to go with Lincoln Riley in this one over Gundy, who seemingly every year the mullet has a game that leaves you scratching your head. I think this is the one. I think Oklahoma comes prepared. I don't think they play out that they did against Baylor. And I, I like their ability to throw the ball because that's kind of the weakness for Oklahoma State is their pass defense. I think Caleb Williams can sling it around.
1: And admittedly, I could be scarred because I feel like I was in that position that you are. It's like this is the – I kept betting Oklahoma thinking this is the week they click, this is the week they click, and they just never clicked. And so it would be the week that I didn't bet on them is, of course, the week that they would click. All right, quickly before we go to break, Alabama-Auburn, the Iron Bowl. It's at Jordan-Hare. It's at Auburn. This is where craziness happens. I think people are forgetting that T.J. Finley is playing quarterback for Auburn, and last year he played for LSU against Alabama. He went fourteen of twenty-eight with five yards in attempt. When you are not even throwing the ball very far and you still aren't completing it a lot, this screams blowout to me.
0: Yeah, this, this is one that if you want to take Oklahoma and those points, or I mean Alabama, excuse me on those points, I wouldn't blame you at all. I, I have no faith in Auburn. Their season ended when Bo Nix got hurt, um, and even that, I mean, I you just kind of question the legitimacy of Auburn. I think Alabama runs away. I think they understand this is an Iron Bowl. Close early, Alabama pulls away and buries them.
1: When we come back, we will honor R.J. with a head fake game. i will got a head fake game for you next right here on BetQLU.
0: You're listening to BetQLU with R.J. Choppy and Jeffrey Wright.
1: Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show here in Memphis, Tennessee. Weekdays from 2 until 4, streaming live on the Odyssey app. Brandon Sprague filling in for RJ. He's the co-host of Dirt and Sprague. Weekday mornings on 1080 The Fan in Portland. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Sprague. We don't have RJ this week, but rest assured, y'all, we still got a head fake game. Let's get into it.
0: Head fake games.
1: All right, Brandon, a lot of pressure on me. Normally, this is RJ's thing. He does the head fake game. I've yet to do one, so I'm dipping my toe in. I'm hoping to do him proud. Quick recap for everyone out there just indeed what a head fake game is. I'm essentially dreaming of my biggest dream, to be a betting syndicate that actually moves lines. So when I make when I put any action down, particularly early action, Vegas takes notice. They move the line, the book will move the line, and then I want to hammer it over the top with a much bigger bet. So let's say in betting syndicate terms what I would do is I'd probably place Whatever kind of the small early limit is, usually it's around $2,000. I get the line to where I want it, and then when they take the limits off and the number's back where I want it, I hammer it over the top with, shall we say, 90% of what what the unit would be. So that's kind of how the game works. So for me, I'm taking a look at Clemson, South Carolina. South Carolina's been an outstanding story all year. The job that Shane Beamer has done has been nothing short of spectacular. With that said, I think they are wildly overvalued here they are on their third quarterback they have played two walk-ons this is who they are the guy that is playing quarterback after Luke Doty got hurt earlier in fall whatever uh, preseason camp we don't say fall camp it's preseason camp <laughs> they were so concerned that this guy was going to play they took the whistle off their GA and said no good in there put some pads on let's go so right now I got the name the number at 11 and a half I'm gonna place my small wager. On South Carolina, I'm trying to get this number into single digits. I really feel like Clemson's defense is not going to allow South Carolina to score, but I don't want to deal with maybe a garbage touchdown against the second unit. I don't want to have to really worry about that. I want to get that number small, and then once I get it into nine and a half, nine, whatever they end up moving the line, boom, I'm going to hammer it over the top with Clemson. So for me, that is my head fake game.
0: Okay. I like that play. I think that's a smart move. You're covering yourself there. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the ACC.
1: Oh yeah. Go for it.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with ACC and a team that many people probably wouldn't want to bet on, but I like the number at this. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it a little bit to get it up and I'm going to go from Syracuse at plus 13 and a half and then I'm going to hammer it when it gets to 14 because I think Pittsburgh is one of those make-you-feel-nervous type teams every single week. I loved Virginia a week ago, and they struggled. They didn't even cover that number. Virginia just back and forth, back and forth. I think Dino Babers at at Syracuse at home, I'm going to get the orange up to 14. I think that's either a good push number or I think Syracuse is going to cover. And Listen Syracuse is 8-3 against the spread. Minute.
1: If you're trying to get an ACC team to get some more points, I fully support that. This has been the year of the underdog in the ACC, so I'm fully on board with that. All right, it's time for the betting cards. Let's fire it up. The betting card. All right, Brandon, I yield to you. What do you got on your card this weekend?
0: Oh man, where do we start? I'm, I'm going to go with uh, a wild one. We talked about it a second ago, ACC. I'm going to go North Carolina. I love it right there going against NC state. I think North Carolina is going to finish out their year strong. I know this was a very disappointing season, but I like them getting points this weekend. I'm going to go to the pac 12. I'm going Arizona against Arizona state territorial cup, Arizona state embarrassed Arizona, and they ran the score up on them. Arizona's playing better football. I think the Sun Devils are kind of in a struggle bus right now, and they're dealing with a ton of injuries on offense and defense. I love the Wildcats getting 20 and a half, and I'm going to stay in the Pac-12. I love Colorado getting 23 and a half. This is a look ahead spot for Utah, who's coming off of a huge win against Oregon. They're eyeing the Pac-12 championship game, and Colorado is playing much better football than they did the first four weeks of the season I think they have the offense to keep up, and it's a day game at Rice-Eccles, which is almost the opposite feel of a night game at Rice-Eccles. You think your team has a shot. That's a lot of points. I am going to take Colorado at plus 23 and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I don't hate that, especially after the big emotional win for Utah. You can see where, hey, just trying to get out of there. They know that all they got to do is win to, to keep their goals. I, I like that. All right, for my card, this game will probably have already happened when you hear it, but I'm just throwing out the card because that's what I do. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl. I'm taking under 62 in the last 20 meetings in the Egg Bowl, 15-5 and five for the under. This is a high emotional game. These two teams hate each other. This game is always just an under game. Also, Ole Miss, sneaky good under team this year. Give me under 62. Iowa, Nebraska. Nebraska's starting a redshirt freshman, making his first start. I do not think I want any part of the Iowa secondary with a redshirt freshman. Give me Iowa minus a point and a half. Arkansas and Missouri, it's 14 and a half. I think Missouri's overvalued because they beat a lifeless Florida. I think Arkansas in their final home game, I think they try to make the statement, give me Arkansas minus 14 and a half. Louisville and Kentucky, this is, I'll take the cheese. I don't think there's any way that Louisville should be favored against Kentucky. When they played teams with winning records, I mentioned at the top of the show, they are two and six. Their two wins are against Boston College with a backup quarterback and a pick six on essentially the final play of the game to beat UCF in week three. Kentucky is a good, solid football team. Are they an elite football team? No, they're good. They're solid. Give me the plus three. Iowa State, TCU, give me under 59. Sneaky in the month of November, big 12 unders. Oh, yeah, nine and five Mm -hmm. the month of November. Give me a big 12 under. I'll take under 59. Ohio State, Michigan. I don't have the guts to do it because I'm scared. Come on. I should do it. I should take the eight. Here's what I really think, though. I think that this game could wind up being a a feel them out. Give me under 64 and a half. I feel like whenever Ohio State plays, everybody wants the over. And even last week, despite scoring on seven possessions in a row to start the game, game still went under. And it's pretty close (laughs) to the same number. Give me 64 and a half. As mentioned earlier, I've got Army plus three and a half. I just don't really like what I've seen from Liberty and Army as a team that's got to gear up and get ready, of course, for the Army-Navy game, and they play hard each and every week. I know what I'm getting out of them. Give me Army plus three and a half. I got my I-just-have-to-do-this sicko game of the week. FIU still playing football. They don't want to be playing football, but unfortunately, they have to be playing football. Southern Miss. I think they're on their seventh quarterback. In fact, most of what they've been doing the last week, they've just been essentially running the Wildcat as their offense. I've got Southern Miss minus 10 and a half. They've got a new coach in Will Hall. They play hard for him. Butch Davis is blowing up everyone at FIU. Yeah. They don't care about the program. I think they've quit. They want no part of football. Give me Southern Miss minus 10 and a half. Texas A&M, it's under a touchdown at LSU. I don't know if it can truly be a hostile environment when half the people don't show up and the half that are there are begging Jimbo to take their job. I also just don't really like what I see when I look at LSU's chances with their offensive line against Texas A&M's defensive line. I really like A&M minus six and a half there. I've mentioned it. It's my head fake game, but I also like it at the 11 and a half. I do not know how South Carolina scores on Clemson. And while Clemson's had a disappointing season and they were, outstanding to bet against early on in the year. Quietly, they put together three covers in a row. They're still sitting here at seven and three. They're now ranked. I just really don't like South Carolina in this game. I don't like their offense. BYU, USC, Brandon, you can probably speak to this. I don't know if you've caught what's been happening to USC's offense without Drake London, but they want no part of football. BYU, really, really physical team. When we've seen USC against physical teams, I take the other team. Give me BYU minus seven.
0: Uh, I, there's two teams that I would throw into this too. BYU is one of them. If you're running a parlay, BYU minus the seven to me is a lock. Notre Dame, even though the number's big at 19 and a half, lock. USC and Stanford are absolute dumpster fires right now. Those two teams are going to roll over the second that game's out gets out of control.
1: There's no chance of Tanner McKee playing, right?
0: It doesn't matter. He played last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are they're horrific. Stanford is they bad. They are so bad, so and bad. And their
0: defense won. is actually the worst unit of their team. I mean, how yes. long has it been since we seen that about Stanford?
1: Well, they have this bold strategy where they don't want to stop the run or the pass. So you get to pick what you want to do against them because it'll work either way.
0: Let me just say, too, um, the card game, like, look, I, I maybe was not as prepared as I needed to be. You made me feel very inadequate here. You just came rolling out. You had 15 plays. I'm out here with like four or five thinking, oh, I'm giving them enough. And you're out here giving me overs. You're giving me every game on the board, which, by the way, I love. Full degenerate, love that. But you made me feel very inadequate playing this game with you.
1: Well, Brandon, I was even trying to be nice. This is my smallest card of the year. We've had had 29 play cards. We've had 26 play cards. I (laughs) cut it down to a tight 11. Listen, it's a short week for me. Just like teams that are playing rivalry week, short week, you had to turn right around. Like I just, I went with what I knew. I went with what I knew we, this week. I mean, yes. listen to this, Brandon. Over the course of the year, I have bet on the show two hundred and eighteen games.
0: It's the, it's my commitment. That to call. Is a ton, my man. I hope you're I hope you're paying out. Now, l- let me say this too on the Iowa Nebraska game. One little oh, yeah. interesting note: new quarterback. I get it. No There was a fan in Nebraska famously. He just died, and in his obituary, his wow. name's Milt. He said the only thing he wanted was for Husker Nation to lay a huge bet on Nebraska to beat Iowa, and a buddy of mine who does a radio show over there raised six thousand dollars. They're placing it on a money line bet for the corn Huskers over Iowa. So for this weekend I'm going to go against your pick, even though it's logical, I'm going to say, "Go big red."
1: Listen. Had you told me we had a dead guy bet, I might have taken Nebraska. Like I that's that's how fickle I am when it comes to college football yeah. betting. When you find out you have the dead guy game, if you find out like a team their mascot died, I always bet them the next week like they got to play one for him, you know, got to honor the memory. Right. I I'm a little I'm a little worried now about Iowa. I'll be I'll be willing to go 11 and 1 this week if you can win that one just because I love when dead guy bets win.
0: Yeah, we got to win it for Mil
1: no question. We're here each and every Friday night at 11 Eastern. Also, when you wake up all morning long on Saturday, then once the games kick off, it's BetQLU in the action. Eight hours of in-depth college football preview and reaction. It's all on BetQL, and it's all available on the Odyssey app. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's Brandon Sprague. Thanks for listening to and watching BetQLU.